0: Grab your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel in the couple of minutes we have together tonight. Two weeks in a row, you get me. I apologize for that. Pastor Todd and Pastor Karen are... Pastor Todd and Pastor Karen are ministering again this week. They are actually with Randy Clark, if you know Randy Clark's ministry. They are with Randy Clark tonight, and they are asking... Pastor Todd texted me just a few moments ago and said, please pray. Tonight we are baptizing the leadership, all the leaders that are there with Randy Clark. So, so can we stand and do that? Can we stand and pray for our pastors who are carrying the North Georgia Revival everywhere they go? Father, in Jesus' name, we just come to you, Lord. We thank you that you have appointed and anointed Pastor Todd and Pastor Karen Smith from this house to go and to lead in baptisms tonight. What you're doing in these waters here in the North Georgia Revival, you desire to do everywhere, in all waters. So we thank you, Lord, tonight. There'll be many that will absolutely be be healed, miracles, signs, and wonders tonight. Leaders will be challenged to go deeper in you. Lord, we pray that tonight men and women are delivered from some old things, old habits. Things that have frustrated them for years, Lord, set them free. Set them free. Give them endurance. Give Pastor Todd, and Karen, uh, Pastor Todd and Pastor Karen endurance to go as long as it needs to go. Strengthen them. Quicken them right now. According to Romans eight eleven, quicken them. Bring vitality to them. Strength in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. That's good. 1 Samuel 16. If you'll turn there, we're going to. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 14. And for our Spanish-speaking family, y para nuestra familia de habla Hispana. Primera Samuel Capitulo 16 versículo 14. Y'all don't have a clue what I said. Don't even clap. Y'all I don't know what he said, but it's not English. For the Spanish speaking, I hope I said, <laughs> for the Spanish family, I hope it made sense to you. The reason we do that from time to time is to let you know that we have a, a large group of uh, Spanish speaking family members here at Christ Fellowship Church that are either sitting in here, most of them are sitting in here, but there's a translator that's in another room that listens and translates as I'm doing real time here, they're translating real time in Spanish. Do you know there's probably, I think, 11 or 12 here tonight that are Spanish-speaking, listening with, with ear pods, air pods, something pods in their ears so they get earplugs? I don't know. Maybe they got earplugs so they don't want to hear. I don't know. But 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 our family, the Spanish family, is growing, and I'm I'm so grateful that uh, our church is starting to look a lot like heaven. Glory to God. Yes. So, so if that offends you, keep looking for a church because... If you're looking for the perfect church, I promise you, this is not the one because I'm here. But uh, we're going to be multiracial and multi... I'm going to get into the Word. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. Look at verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And some of Saul's servants said to him... A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure you caught it. Let me back up to verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with a depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from Either you just don't want to participate or you're not reading it. A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Yours may say a little bit something different, but this is the New Living Translation. Verse 18, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, (laughs) and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse saying, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul, began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. So David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, please let David remain in my service, for I'm very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God from God and and whenever the tormenting spirit from God from God troubling spirit tormenting spirit troubled Saul David would play the harp then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. I want to preach a message tonight maybe you saw it on social media platforms and all the ways I got it out there but look at this message. Postured for promotion. Whether you're a kindergartner, middle school, high school, senior citizen, anywhere in between, work, college, family, whatever you do, I believe it's God's best for us to be prepared and postured for promotion. Amen. In whatever season you're in, the Lord's best for us is that you and I would be postured for promotion. And you say, well, I'm 83. I don't know what else I could be promoted to other than heaven. Well, that is a promotion. But as long as there's breath in your lungs, that means there's still purpose within you. So promotion is available for all of us. Say me. Come on, say promotion is available for me. I almost went with the title positioned for promotion. But then the more I studied, the Holy Spirit was like, you know, Marty, position has more to do and and kind of implies location. It's more than being at the right place at the right time. It's being at the right place with the right heart at the right time. Position has to do with location, but posture has to do with behavior. If any bosses in the room, anybody that... Manages or supervisors or foreman's in there. Okay. We need we need more people promoted. Two of us are. <laughs> anybody in leadership where you work? Anybody have any kind of like, you have people that report to you that are? Okay. So the people that you're looking for, is it's not just the people who are at the right place at the right time. Because Bubba, who shows up late and wants to leave early, And always takes more vacation time than he has and personal days than he has. Bubba, that's always complaining and backbiting and talking behind your back. Just because Bubba's at the right place at the right time when you need him, that does not qualify Bubba for promotion. That's right. So it's more than position, it's posture. That's good. Posture. So we're gonna talk about postured. Promotion, because here's the here's the one of the truth. If you want to write it down, you can look on the screen and see it. Position can get you the promotion, but posture will help you keep it. Amen. I remember one time I was working in a factory as a young man, probably 18 years old, and I was um, I was asked to go to third shift to the packaging department. The only problem was. To my knowledge, there was no third shift packaging department, so it scared me. Thought they were trying to fire me without trying to tell me they were firing me. There was no third shift packaging. They said, we want you to go to third shift. I was like, great, who's going with me? They said, you. I said, I know, I heard you, but who's going with me? They said, nobody, you. From 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., Sunday night through Friday morning, I was the third shift packaging department as an 18-year-old man. In a large, multi-million dollar aluminum extrusion company in Oakwood, Georgia, I was the third shift packaging department. The packaging department required somebody to run the computer, somebody to run an overhead crane, somebody to be able to load trucks, somebody, I knew none of that. They said, you are going to be the third shift packaging department. Congratulations. I said, uh, Lord, I'm at the right place. Well, I wasn't saved at that time, but I said, I'm at the right place, I guess. They're offering it to me. But then I started searching my heart. I was like, man, it's much more fun to work with my buddies. But did I come to work for fun or a paycheck? Man, I'd rather be with my guys on first shift or second shift. Third shift, I'm by myself. What a great opportunity to learn who you are when nobody else is around. So I took the position, I showed up on that very first night. I had a supervisor there. I still remember his name. And he loved, loved, loved to smoke a lot of cigarettes at the factory. So he would get me started at 7 o'clock, about 11 o'clock at night, about 11.10. I wouldn't see him again until about 6.30 the next morning. For about 10 minutes, 10 minutes, he would give me instruction on what I'm supposed to do. I'm new. I don't have a clue. He's giving me instructions on what I'm supposed to do in 10 minutes. Then he says, if you need me, I will be up on the mezzanine resting because he had another little side gig. He did pressure washing and and cut some grass and things during the day, and he he was working night shift and, and smoking a lot of cigarettes and sleeping. So very quickly, I learned how to not only wipe the thresholds down that was being sold to Peachtree Windows and Doors, if you ever remember those guys back in the day, showing my age, we, I would wipe down all the thresholds and package them and put styrofoam strips between them and wipe them down, get all the grease off, clean down the edges where they had been fabricated, get all the loose metal off of it, get a lo- the loose aluminum off, and I'd wipe it down, put them in boxes, and they told me on, on, on each night, um, you should fill up a pallet. Of these of these aluminum thresholds, and there's a hundred to a box, and there's four boxes to the pallet. You need to finish one pallet per night. I said, Okay. So very quickly, David, I moved up to about two to two and a half pallets per night by myself. Had nobody there really to supervise me. I supervised myself. Taught myself how to run the overhead crane, taught myself how to run the forklift. They did some training about three months later. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that the way it works? There's the key. There's the forklift. We'll train you someday. <laughs> someday usually comes later. So I just, I just figured it out. And so I'm, I'm working in this factory. I'm at the third shift packaging department. And I could have easily, Miss Amber, just stuck to the one pallet they asked for. But if I would have done that, I don't think I'd be in the position I'm in today. So good. Because my heart's posture helped promote me all throughout those times from when I was 18 to now I'm you know 38. And now all those 20 years, all the... All the all those years, the Lord was testing my character to see if I was really postured for promotion. Position will get you the promotion, but posture will keep you there. Amen. So I want to help you tonight. Whether you're working, whether you're a boss, whether you're—I um, uh, don't like to use the R word for people who are uh, done with you know. 30 years of work. I don't like to call it retired because I wasn't tired before and I don't want to get tired again. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Many of you just entered the second season, second chapter of your life or third chapter or fourth chapter, whatever chapter it is. But don't retire until you're dead. Don't quit until you stop breathing. I mean, give it all you got while you're on planet Earth. Give something back. Always look to posture yourself for promotion. My goodness, that's what will get you up every morning. Get you up early, cause you to stay up late. You want to have an impact. Why? I want to posture myself for promotion. I have to believe there's something greater for me to do. So I want to deal with first the elephant in the room, which was in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. There's two to three times in that passage we read where the scripture says God sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. That's very confusing to me because James teaches there is no, there's no shadow, there's no turning, there's no evil within God for him to be able to put evil into somebody. What the Old Testament writers knew that you and I really don't know because we're under such grace is they understood the sovereignty of God and they understood that nothing happened unless it went through the Father. Remember when Job was, was going through his thing and the enemy, Satan, came to, to, to God and said, hey, we're gonna turn him. You know the story. Yeah. And, and it had to go through God. So everything, God is sovereign. Old Testament, they knew this. And so they wrote it from the perspective of, it wasn't that God actually sent a tormenting spirit, but when the Bible says the spirit of the Lord left Saul, Saul opened himself up to that tormenting spirit. And God knows all things. So, so the in the Old Testament, they would write it like God sent it. God didn't send it. God doesn't want to do evil to anyone. But when you pull yourself out from under the umbrella covering protection of the kingdom, you subject yourself to those tormenting spirits. That's right. That's right. So good. Well, how did Saul do that? Well, when when. If you just go back one chapter, you'll see where the Lord told Saul, you go and you destroy all of the Amalekites. You destroy the Amalekite nation. You kill their camels, their goats, everything. Kill their animals. Y'all, it gets a little crazy, but it says, because they had done so much damage, wipe out even the children. I don't want another Amalekite living take every one of their lives. That's Old Testament stuff right there. that that's people would say that's evil. That's not evil. That's judgment. Completely different. But but anyway, so Samuel uh, Saul does almost exactly what God said. Almost, he went in, destroyed almost all of the Amalekites, almost killed them all, almost destroyed all their goats and donkeys. But the Bible says that Saul chose for himself to keep out the best camels, goats. Donkeys, because he thought he knew better. And the Bible says the moment he did that, the Lord said, I have rejected Saul because he does not obey exactly what I say. See, it's one thing to hear God and do sort of what he says or completely full obedience to what he says. There's a big difference. Partial obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God speaks, we move. Amen. When God says, kill them all, kill the goats, the, everything, the chickens, the, the goldfish, kill everything, Saul didn't do that. The moment he didn't do that, the Lord said, I reject him, and he rejected him, Dusted his hands off, and so that's when Samuel the prophet cried out, oh, we need another king, we need another king, we know you don't, you, you don't, you know, have your hand on Saul anymore, you've pulled your spirit from him, we understand, but we need another, we need another he kept crying and crying and the Lord said, okay okay, then go to, go to Jesse's house and you'll find the next one and you know the story prophet goes to, to the house of Jesse Jesse lines up seven of the sons and, and the prophet says, "No, no, no, no goes through seven of them and says don't you have another and Jesse said, well I do but there's no way you could want him. He's a little shepherd boy. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have the strength, the stature, the masculinity of all the other sons. He's not very. You know. He's. He's. He's ruddy. He's. He's a young boy. He likes to. He likes to play with harps and stringed instruments. I don't think you'd want him to be the king. And and uh, and and they they said we'll go get him. Why don't you let us decide that? And so they go and get David, bring him in. As the story goes, he's anointed king, right? And the Bible says the moment that the spirit of the Lord left Saul, look at verse 13 in 1 Samuel 16, it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. God's always got somebody to move on your behalf if you choose not to move. Last week we heard about Elijah that said, I'm the last one, you have nobody left, I'm the only prophet. God said, hush your mouth, wipe those silly little tears, get out of that cave you're hiding from, from Jezebel. If you don't do it, I've got 7,000 more, but I'd rather use you. But if you don't, I've got a handful of people I will use. God's always got a Joshua if Moses won't. He's always got a Timothy if Paul wants. He's always going to have somebody who's ready to go, but he'd rather use you. Elijah, if you don't do it, I will use Elisha. But I need somebody that has postured themselves for promotion. Elisha just wasn't in the right place at the right time. He told Elijah, if you're going to Gilgal, I'm going to Gilgal. If you're going to die there, I'm going to die there. If you're going to fight there, I'm going to fight there. Wherever you go, Jericho, Gilgal, you name it. Elisha's heart posture was, I'm with you no matter what. And so once the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, it came mightily upon David. Why? David was a shepherd boy, David was playing stringed instruments, worshiping the Lord. Writing the most incredible worship music before there was elevation in Jesus' culture in Bethel, David. Yeah, <laughs> he was in his prime, and, and Jesse said, There's no way you could want him. I mean, look, he's, he's ruddy, he's weak. He's, and that's when, that's when the prophet said, God's not looking at the outward man, God's looking at his posture. God said, He said, I'm not even looking at his position. He's not even in the house, y'all. He's not even in the lineup. He's not even in the house. He did not get the invitation from his own daddy. Wow. But how many of you know God will find you and call for you as as, as the as the prophet and as the daddy, Jesse called for David to come get in the lineup. If you remember, we just read it, Saul was the one that said, call for David. Twice in one chapter, David had been called for. Why? Because he had his heart postured for promotion. It's like, and I'm getting way ahead of my notes, but it's like, it's like God is saying, you will, never, you will never take down a giant until you learn how to take down lions and bears. I just want a giant kind of promotion. Okay. Okay. Be faithful on third shift, killing a bear. Glory to God. I was in there on third shift working and working and working. Y'all thought I forgot about my little job at Indalex. I was in there working and working and working, working my little tail off months and months and months and months. Just me, myself, and I didn't complain. I loved it. I actually kind of loved it. I'm an introvert. By nature, I'm an introvert. I'm the youngest of four children. My dad said, I didn't think you could talk until you were 13 him, He's sitting right there on the front row. That's what he tells her. I didn't know he could talk until he was 13, and, uh, and just uh, just an introvert. So I'm in there just doing my thing, and all of a sudden, you know, we're required to wear steel-toe boots and and hard hats when we're doing the overhead crane and safety goggles all the time. And you know, it's 3:30 in the morning, and here comes this 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 man. Here I was, young, had a head full of hair. No, I'm lying. I had half a head full of hair, <laughs> but, and it was all brown, and here comes this salt and pepper haired guy, which kind of told me he's a little bit older than me, and, uh, and he comes back there with flip-flops on and shorts and a tank top and a ball cap turned around backwards, smacking on chewing gum with no goggles on, no hard hat, and I'm running an overhead crane, and he's got on no steel toes, and he comes back there, and I stopped the crane, hit the emergency stop, put it all the way down to the ground, took me an extra 35 seconds, but I did what I was supposed to do according to the manual because I'm a man of character. I do what it says to do, so I did it. I don't do anything halfway, try not to. want to posture myself for promotion, so I'm going to do it the way it said to do. After I got done, he's standing there like, are you done yet? I said, yeah, are you? I said, can I help you? He said, well, I'm, I, I need somebody to come over to another department and run a crane. I said, well, go find somebody. I have a job to do here, and I don't need to be disturbed. Who are you, and why are you here? He kind of smiled. <laughs> He said, I'm gonna need you to come over to another department and run over overhead crane. I said, No. Who are you? He wouldn't tell me. He said, I'm gonna get your supervisor. I said, You want me to get him? I wasn't being arrogant. I'm just like, I have a job to do, and you're holding me up. My production. I gotta get that one pallet, and I'm only at two and a half pallets in. I want to get three. And so he goes to get him, and, the, and my supervisor comes down and he's like wiping sleepy out of his eye and all this other stuff. And he's like, hey, you need to go with this man. Uh, I said, okay, only if you tell me to. He said, yep, you need to go with that man. You need to do what he tells you to do. So I go over to another department. He tells me, here's an overhead crane. Can you do it? I said, yeah, I was just doing it when you interrupted me back there. Oh my goodness. You saw me doing it. Yeah, I can do it. Because I'm mad at this time. I'm like, man, i I got a production quota, and he's jacking everything up for me. <laughs> Mr. Flip-Flops. No safety goggles. Hat turned around backwards. <laughs> And he showed me, he said, can you move all these racks right here and put them over here? One, two, three rows and stack them up. There's like, I'm like, all those things? He's like, yeah. I said, I will. By what time? He said, seven o'clock. That was like three and a half hours away. And it was about seven hours worth of work. He said, I know you won't get done. That's all right. Just do what you can. I said, okay. Y'all know what happened at seven o'clock? Done. Glory to God. He said, when you, when you get done at seven o'clock, don't punch out. I always wanted us to punch out because they didn't want to pay us a, a second over time. He said, don't you dare clock out, come into that office right down there with a the light on. You see that office down there? I said, yes, sir. When you see, come in there in the morning at, at 7.30, whenever you get done at, at 7 o'clock with all these things, and clock out. and uh, ready to clock out. I said, yes, sir. So long story short, I go down there, but this time he's wearing a suit. <laughs> Not a you ever seen Undercover Boss? <laughs> I had no idea what was happening to me. So I go in there. He's got a suit on. He's smiling. He said, uh, he said how, many of those, how many of those racks did you get moved last night? I said, every one of them. He said, I'm, I'm asking you how many of you moved last night from the time I got you back there. I said, every single one of them, sir. He said, no, no, you don't understand. How many of those racks I showed you that needed to be moved, did you actually move? I said, every single one of them. I will go show you, and I'll show you exactly what I did. He said, Yes. So he walks with me, I showed him, here's what. He's like, "My god. He said, "I want to offer you something." I said, "Yes." He said, "You're making 575 an hour right now." I said, "Yes, sir." And it was good money. That was good money. He said, "You make 575 an hour right now." I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "I have a position open. It's still on third shift." I said, "I'm already on third shift." Next. He said, "You'll actually be working with a team." Next. He said, but this job over here doesn't pay $5.75 an hour. I said, I will not take a a, a pay cut. Uh, That's not going to happen. I'll go right back over. He said, no, no, no. This one's going to pay you $9.25 an hour. I said, when do I start? I'm your man. That man, I had no idea, was the department manager over the largest and highest paying part of the whole manufacturing plant. Not only did I happen to be at the right place at the right time, but my heart's posture was, okay, all right, if my boss says to go with you, I'm going to go with you, but I'm not going to break protocol. Lord. That man, department manager, became one of my dearest friends. We played on the softball team. We took state in 1992, went 27-2 and two as the industrial league softball champions of the state of Georgia. Um. That department manager was on my team. I probably got no less than 11 job promotions when I was down there in that company because because I postured myself for promotion. I realized my degrees wasn't going to earn me what my character could. Yeah, so good. Thank you, Jesus nobody's gonna stand over you and beg you to keep producing. But the more you do and the more problems you solve, I promise you, you're posturing yourself for promotion. We're compensated for the the problems that we solve. Solve a problem. There was a a problem back in the day when people would walk in their homes and they didn't have a switch they could get on and this, this illumination would light up in the middle of the room. So, so somebody said, I'll invent a light bulb. Who was it? 80 of y'all. 150 of y'all need to go back to school. And he said, there was another man that said, I want to be able to talk through something other than a can. I want to be able to pick up a phone in my house and talk to somebody in another state. And so that man, Alexander Graham Bell, said, I'll come out with the phone. Nice piece of history. He's not the one who invented it. He just jacked the patent. There's another man that said, I have a transfer- transportation problem. He was a German. He said, we have a transportation problem. I'm sick of trusting horses. Last name was Benz. He did some things. He solved a problem. We need a car. I'll invent one. Need a phone? I'll invent one. Need a light bulb? I'll invent one. Need a device you can carry in your pocket? Get a hold of anybody you ever wanted to. If as long as you got their number, you can you can send them a text. You can voice call. You can you can connect with someone halfway around the world in real time. I can. You can research anything on the internet now. You can research anything on the internet, anything. And the information highway has provided a place where we can get all the information we could ever want. Why? Because somebody sat down and said, we need a WWW, we need a World Wide Web. (laughs) Remember that back in the day? Now it's what, HTTP back in the day is, (laughs) (laughs) WWW. Y'all remember that? Remember the dial-up sound? You can hear it right now. I know you can. You can hear it. you can hear it right now. My Lord, I gotta move on. But David, David had a reputation that preceded him. The Bible says that Saul was tormented. Uh, some people think it was migraines. Some people say it was just a tormenting, sleepless, restless, painful, eating at eating at him spirit. And, and the Bible says there was a servant of Saul. Look at verse 18. There was a servant of Saul who said, I know who we need to bring in. David's reputation preceded him. This servant said, I know exactly who to bring in. And here was the qualification. Can I go ahead and give you, I'm gonna give you David's resume. Can I do that? I'm gonna give you all his resume right here. You gotta, you gotta see it. Number one in verse 18, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, here's the resume, He is a talented harp player. He's talented. He's talented. One version says he knows how to play. One version says he knows to play. Understands how and knows how. Y'all know there's a big difference in understanding how and knowing how? I understand that there are keys on this board up here, and if you play them, if you, if you press uh, one of the keys, is it on? I don't want to break anything. If you, I understand. My understanding, your understanding knows if you press one of these, the moment uh, uh, it's depressed, a sound should, we got sound up? A sound should emit from this machine. You understand that? And so the servant said call for David who is talented segue <laughs> that right in call for David who is talented but we, I, my understanding is if I press a button or a key my understanding says how many white ones are there Thomas he got raptured. how many white ones Joni 88 white ones how many black ones common sense would say if there's 88 white ones all 88 have a different function they all have a different sound but they're all necessary for promotion the black ones sound different than the white ones But together, they're on the same board, so get used to it. Amen. That's good. Yes, yes. Because my understanding says, if I hit the buttons, a sound's gonna come forth. But understanding says, David, David, come here, David. Understanding says, oh my gosh, I gotta wrap up. Understanding says, knowing is is this knowing is that's knowing. Understanding is I understand, but he knows. Show us how you know. I understand, but he knows. There's a different level of posture there. Now, if I studied it long enough, don't go anywhere, because we have got to wrap up. (laughs) Just not enough time on Wednesday nights. If I studied enough, prepared myself enough, as David did, when he was out slinging his stones at trees and bears and lions and tigers, oh my, you know, I was gonna throw that in there. When he was doing that, He was preparing himself and posturing himself for promotion because someday God knew that he would need somebody to stand in front of Goliath and David was just preparing himself to be ready for in season and out of season moments. So at one point, think of this, at one point David understood there's an instrument, if I play it, it'll make a sound. But in his preparation and time spent that he's invested that I have not, he understands and knows. I just understand. But then there's another level of understanding, knowing, but then being talented at it. He understands, Thomas understands, Thomas knows, and Thomas is talented at playing the keys. He has postured himself for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights and qualified himself for that promotion where I have not. Is that his fault or my fault? It's my fault. can't blame him. I can't blame Joni and the team who who saw his posture and his knowledge and understanding and talent. They called for him because he had prepared. He was postured for it. I was not. Whereas Thomas hasn't studied or understood or gotten talented and other things that you have if you put a chainsaw in thomas's hand you're going to be left with some ikea parts if you bought from ikea you know exactly what i'm talking about that nice table that you thought was a table and four chairs is actually seven thousand three hundred and forty seven toothpicks that you got to glue together stick together weld together Fabricate? He <laughs> got like, my God, what did I just get myself into? Some assembly required, you lying devil. <laughs> Ain't no some assembly; it's all assembly required. Jeez, help us! But but there's a chainsaw out there that I could put in Cody Coller's hand, and he could make a doggone bear statue out of that piece of log with a chainsaw. And David. David had prepared himself, postured himself, and so he was talented. He was a talented harp player because he had, he had spent time and invested in his gift. If you want to be the best bank teller there is at your bank, study, study, study. I was talking to somebody the other day. I hadn't got a chance to tell her yet. I was speaking to somebody the other day. He said, I, I banked at a certain bank in Gainesville. And I told them, if this woman is not available, I will not, I refuse to deal with anybody else unless it's that lady right there, my mama. He was just in here doing some work. He's been he's been tinting windows for 30 years in Gainesville, Georgia. He said, when nobody would give me a loan, she did. When nobody would partner with me, she did. When everybody else said no way, she said, we can make it happen. He told me, he said, your mom, he had tears in his eyes. Please tell your mom and daddy. I said, hello, they're some of the greatest people. Your mama did for me what nobody else would do for me. I said, man, you're, you've been in business 35 years now. He said, I'm telling you. Wow. Why? She postured herself. She had studied herself to become, I guess the best at customer service when it came to banking. And this man said, I refused. I told him, I will not. He, he said, I would show up with my stuff And then say she's out or on vacation. He'd say, okay, bye. (laughs) He said, I wouldn't do it. If it's not her, I don't want anybody else. Why? You have to earn that. Your, your, Your work should precede you, your talent should precede you. Everything you do, people should already be hearing about it. That's why Jesus went from town to town, and the Bible says everybody already knew who he was. They had heard. heart posture was, I will heal. I will deliver. That blind eye, I will open. They had heard. Why? He had postured himself to work like that. First thing, he was talented. He was a talented heart player. Number two, David was a brave warrior. This is on his resume. He's a brave warrior. When a lion and a bear came after his sheep, he didn't run. He didn't cry. He didn't call out for anybody else because nobody else would have answered because he was the only one out there on the back 40 with him and just the sheep. He's like, well, I can't call on anybody else but the Lord, so I might as well get a rock and a slingshot and start fighting on my own. And so when the lion and the bear came, the Bible says he destroyed. Do you know the Bible says he took the bear by the mouth and the lion by the mouth left that bear toothless, pulled his teeth out of him, left him a gummy bear. so dumb. That's so dumb. I always wondered, Corey, I always wondered if David killed it, you know, back in the day, that's, that's what a thousand BC. I'm wondering if he killed it, cut it up, put it on the fire and then ate it. I always wondered that. Wow. But then I'll come to the realization. There's no way he would have done that, Jason. Cause I'm sure the taste was just too much to bear. It just, they don't get much better. They don't get any better. I'm just saying. I know, my dad, dad jokes. But he was a brave warrior. He fought the lion, he fought the bear. So when Goliath shows up, he's like, who the heck are you? Everybody else sees you as a giant, too big to kill. I see you as another goat or a, or a, or a lion or a bear. You're too big to miss, Jack. I'm gonna take you down. Why? His posture was, God before me, Who can be against me? He was a brave warrior. Watch this. Then he was a man of war. Wasn't afraid of a battle. Number four, he was a man of good judgment. He had great discernment. Discernment wasn't knowing good from evil. That's obvious. Discernment, judgment, that's what judgment means. You look it up and it means um, the capacity to evaluate based on discernment. That's what judgment means. So David had a discernment about him. If it were good or evil, it was easy. He could spot the two. That's that's not what discernment is for. Discernment is not choosing what's good or what's evil. Discernment is not needed to decide what's right or wrong. Discernment is needed to decide what is right and what is almost right. David had that. That's what qualified him. That's what postured him for promotion. Number five, the Bible says he was a fine-looking young man. Now we already know the Bible says that that we don't look, the Lord doesn't look on the outward, he looks at the heart, the heart posture. So when I'm seeing David was a fine-looking young man, it's almost like, and it's I've not done research to dig deep enough. I'm just I'm just going from what I can in my own mind. David had put himself together. I imagine he made his bed every morning. I imagine if you went into his closet, he had blue shoe, black shoe, white shoe, red shoe. I'm not like that, so don't, don't. I'm not that guy. He probably had blue jeans, black jeans, gray jeans, white jeans, T-shirt, long sleeve, polo. I'm not that guy, y'all, but he was. That fine looking. Do you know what one version says? He was in perfect health. That's what one version says. He was in spotless health. You want to be used by the Lord? Get your stuff together to be used of the Lord. I thought I had my stuff together until we went on that trip to Honduras and hiked four and a half hours up that mountain. The Lord said, "You don't have your stuff together, son." I'm like, "Lord, I thought I was healthy." He said, "Well, is it your definition of healthy or is it mine? Because mine, you're far from it. (laughs) You need to, you need to quit working on muscle and start working on muscle. You need some cardio, son." Need some endurance, son. I was like, Yes, sir. I want to be a man of war and man of great health. Last thing, number six, you stand to your feet. This is the most important. The Bible says he was selected because the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him. So when David was selected this is what he was selected for he was postured for promotion so when he was selected he became Saul's armor bearer one of the highest ranking positions outside of generals and commanders and whatever else they had in those days he was as close to Saul he got promoted y'all David, the shepherd boy who nobody knew about, got promoted, not because of his position, but because of his heart's posture to do things when nobody else is looking, to do things with excellence. He was promoted to Saul, the king's armor bearer, which means David would hold Saul's shield and his spear. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to me and you. But in those days, as Saul would have slept, David would have stood here with the spear and the shield letting peace and rest come to Saul. But at any moment, should should we be attacked? I am so close to you. It's ready. Saul didn't have to go looking for it. Saul didn't have to call for, where's my spear, where's my... David had to keep up with Saul's he had to keep up with his own are you worried about just carrying your stuff are you worried about just doing your thing or do you continually live in a posture of I'm here to serve others around me my job at this church I don't know I don't really care about titles and labels and things like that I just want to be able to serve other people and help them succeed that's it. Now, I have my own roles and responsibilities and things like that. I have to drink a lot of coffee while I'm here, but but, but, <laughs> but I love to help serve other people. I love it. Not, not perfect at it. I feel like I'm kind of good at it because I've been doing it for a while, but that's my heart's posture. If I can do something for somebody else, I want to try to do that. And so that's what David did. But watch this. This is how he closed. Then Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, please let David remain in my service for I'm very pleased with him. Please let David remain in my service. Daddy, please let your son leave the flock. What he used to do, allow me to promote him to serve the king. I'll pick over everybody else in the land for David. Why? Because he's postured himself. I'm very pleased with him. Last verse. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. It's one thing to understand keys. It's another thing to know that they'll make a sound and put it out and know how to play a song and then to be talented. Then to be talented like Thomas is. But Thomas, the Lord has promoted you to position where you're not playing for Joni or this this staff or the elders of the congregation. The king called for you. awesome the king called for you of all the people 7.8 billion people on planet earth that could have postured themselves the way you did they could have but they didn't i could have but i didn't but you did and so the king how do i know that because the bible says your gift will make room for you his posture made a way and made room for him to play right there. He wasn't in the message tonight. I just threw him in the message because it just happened to work out that way, Thomas. So well, thank you. We love you, Thomas. We're grateful for you, Thomas. Yeah. Grateful for you. The question is this. I got 60 seconds. The question is this. And then as soon as I dismiss in prayer, we, me and the elders, we need to slip out for a, elders meeting. We have to, we've been putting it off for a couple of weeks and we finally were able to to nail it down tonight. So we'll dismiss you guys and, and let us slip on out to get to that meeting. But I'll leave you with this. What problem are you called to solve? What is it that God has for you while there's breath in your lungs and while you're still able to do life? What is it? I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to find that out. But I promise you, if you'll talk to the Lord and ask him, what's your purpose? How can I posture my heart to be prepared for promotion when, it, when it's time? He'll speak to you. He will. He will. As long as you do in the dark, as long as you'll do when nobody else is around and nobody's looking, nobody's gonna hold your feet to the fire, nobody's gonna you know slap the production quotas on you. And listen, can I just throw this in there? If you're expected to do one pallet a night, for for God's sake, don't just be satisfied with one pallet. Don't just do enough. Do more than enough. It's in that season, anybody can do just enough. Everybody was doing one pallet. Then here comes this little scrawny 18-year-old kid that says, I just had enough competition within me to say it. They told me one, I'm getting one and a half. And I'd work up, just keep working up. Why? Every day I wanted to improve and get better. That's the way I've done things. I've always done that with speaking. Lord, I just want to study and learn how to do it better and preach better and connect better. I know what you're thinking. You've been studying this long, shouldn't you be better? Lord, posture our heart for promotion. Promotion. Make us men and women who are brave. We have great discernment, great judgment. We're warriors, we'll fight. May get knocked down a couple of times. May lose a couple of battles, but we'll win the war. Lord, help us to, help us to be fine looking like David, which means we were detailed, we were structured, we were kept, we were put together, we were ready. Weapons weren't dull. We were sharp and ready at the moment we were needed. We were ready. Help us live, live lives like that. Posture, posture, posture. Not position, posture. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. 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 Bless you guys. You're dismissed.